And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hear that podcast growling Mean and angry Hear those co-hosts shout him It's Dana and Jay All right, welcome in the latest edition to hear that podcast. Growling, Paul Inner Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic are here with you on a newsy Tuesday morning uh, here in Cincinnati. And Jay, how are we doing? Great. It, it's great to know that we are clearly Jesse Bates's favorite podcast as he yeah. made this decision just in time yeah. for us to come on live. I mean, I did, he did ask me. You know, he said, look, what would be the best possible time (laughs) for me to do this? I've got all year. You know, I could do it at any point. When do you want to do it? Do you want to promote some of your off-season stuff? Do you want news in the off-season? I said, you know what, Jesse, what I would really like? If you could just, right before our live show, that morning, go ahead and show up. And and that way we can get everybody engaged and talk. I I appreciate him doing that. He didn't have to do that. You know, it's just good to know that he's looking up for us. A lot of things he hasn't had to do that he's done this offseason. So, yes, just following the script. Following the script. Shout out uh, Kelsey Conway from The Inquirer who had that this morning. And, uh, um, you know, the news on Jesse Bates in the building expected to sign his franchise tag. We are going to talk about that in a minute. We've got a lot of stuff to get to. Um, We're going to run through uh, some other news very quickly. Talk about Jesse Bates. Uh, We're going to talk about joint practices. It is Rams week here. And uh, it's exciting. You know, we've been the the practices down uh, at the – Kettering Health practice fields outside Paycor Stadium near the Allegiant <laughs> Gate uh, have have gotten kind of boring just because it's it, there is a monotony to a lot of it. You had the the instant injection of Joe Burrow to get it going, but uh, the Rams in town is a is a big injection. This is the crown jewel of training camp, and we're really excited to bring that to you. I'm sure some of the Bridgertons will all be up there uh, taking it all mm-hmm. in too. Looking forward to that. So we're going to talk about kind of things to keep an eye on this week and really what what really matters as they lead up to joint practices Wednesday and Thursday and then the game on Saturday against the Rams at 6 o'clock. Um, Mo Egger will, of course, of course, join us and looking forward to talking to him, uh, including Jay, you and you and Mo may be having something in common from this past weekend. Uh, we will go behind the curtain with our scoops. We've got a couple of uh, nuggets here for you to take a look at. And then we've got some listener Q&A. Thanks to everybody that is on the YouTube channel. Hello. Uh, really appreciate having you on here. If you've got comments, go ahead and uh, drop them in. Uh, in, into our comment section. If you have questions, uh, we would love uh, for you to do this. We'll get to those at the end of the show. I've already got a few from people that dropped something on Twitter, but we'll get to some of yours over here if we as many as we can if we have time. And, of course, we'll recap the Growler bet 
from this past weekend. I hope many of you watching and listening were in on that. We had a ton of submissions. It's good to have. We, we bring the growler bet, and everybody was back on board and loving it. Yeah. So uh, really excited. All right, let's get to the quick hit news. Bengals made three cuts uh, yesterday. Uh, Javon highlight. Jay, you asked you asked specifically to make sure we had the exact pronunciation on Javon. Uh, actually, it was the first name. I thought it was Javon, <laughs> and he cleared up it was Javon. I, I thought it was Hiley. I, I just assumed. Yeah. Yeah, Javon so, Hiley. Uh, Jack Sorensen and Scotty Washington uh, all let go. Uh, with Bates expected to be back on the fold once he signs his tender, they will need to make three more moves to be down to 80 uh, by 4 p.m. And, I mean, that could come while we're talking any any point today. Um, and the other part about that is – New rules now, the pup rules are different where, you know, guys that are injured, typically they will be put on PUP at the final cuts and have to miss the first six weeks. Well, this year you can actually move players that are hurt that haven't practiced uh, from pup, the preseason pup to the year pup um, right now at this cut so that you can get down to 80. And it, at that point, they only have to miss the first four games so likely moves i think that you would expect from the Bengals today brandon wilson joe batchy uh certainly candidates to go on to pup at this point yeah what what i'm not clear on and i don't know this would be in play for either one of those guys because it used to be six weeks and then you could wait um i believe it was week nine to where they had to make a decision they you had to to practice or be shelved for the year i don't know if they've extended that or not but Yes, expect Brandon Wilson and Joe Batchy to, to go on pup today, which would mean one more guy that they would have to cut. And it's it's somebody that, you know, you would not expect a position that has is not thin, that they're gonna need guys because nobody's none of the main players are gonna dress against the Rams. So uh we'll wait and see who that is. I, I have a a sneaking suspicion who it'll be, but I don't wanna I don't wanna burst that guy's bubble before the team does. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll go, um, from there. I want to remind everybody, um, we have the live 50 West event going on the Thursday before the season starts the night of bills versus the Rams that are in yeah. town this week. Uh, we did it last year. Loved it. Huge crowd. Great event. Just, you know, get optimistic. Bobby's going to be there. Uh, we'll have everybody that covers the Bengals is going to have an open invitation. A bunch of them all said they're going to come down. Uh, and, you know, we had, we had everybody on the mics last last year, predictions, uh, players that we, you know, MVPs, lots of, lots of different chatter uh, of things to predict for the season. And so really excited about that event. 7 o'clock, 50 West. Um, Hopefully it's a beautiful night for the beer garden again, like it was last year. Beers will be flowing. We'll be hanging out afterwards, having drinks, uh, watching the game. So you can hang out with us afterwards too. If you want to come and chat, BS, say hello, uh, dap up, high five, whatever you got. Uh, Jay, Jay, you don't want to hug, do you? I don't want to hug, but I could use some help from people helping me uh, put away my MacGyver box of cords that we <laughs> true. It's true. No hugs for Jay though. Uh, all right. Let's uh, let, hopefully see you down there. Let's get the Jesse Bates. Um, so Jesse Bates, um, returns, um, oh, I didn't mention September 8th on that, uh, Thursday before the season starts, September 8th mm -hmm. on that 50 West event. Uh, Jesse Bates returns. Um, he, I want to just, this was kind of, I think the way people thought it was going to go the whole time. It, it, again, everybody you talk to 
said he'll be here. We expect him to be here. It's on his time frame whenever he wants to come back. And the expectation was there's just no way Jesse Bates is going to be the type of guy to break all previous franchise tag precedent that's ever existed and not pocket $12.9 million and come play this year. And that was the expectation from the team, and that was set forth most notably almost a month ago now when Mike Brown said it just as clear at Mock Turtle Soup. Here's Mike Brown from Mock Turtle Soup. Why wasn't a deal able to be reached with Jesse Bates? With Jesse Bates. Uh, Jesse's a good guy. We like him. He's been an excellent player. Uh, he uh, fits with us. We were two years and trying to uh, extend him, and we weren't able to uh, get there. Uh, I regret that we didn't, but we will have another chance at the end of the season. Maybe it'll happen then. Keep in mind that uh, we have a lot going on. We're trying to get ready for our cap as we go down the line, and we're going to need room for our quarterback, for our receivers, and for some other uh, people who are going to want to get paid at the top level, too. Uh, it's uh, not easy to fit all these uh, in. And uh, one thing, uh, I expect Jesse to be here and play for us this year. Uh, that'll uh, be something that uh, we look forward to. I expect Jesse to be here and play for us this year. Mike Brown told y'all. <laughs> he so said Zach. this is what it's this is what it's gonna be. Yeah, Zach Taylor said everybody really that you talked to said something about that. They would have loved to have done it. They would have loved to have done the extension. He's gonna be here. He's gonna play. He can come back on his own time frame. Obviously, he doesn't want to get hurt in training camp. The end. That was the statement a month ago, and that is the way it played out. And honestly, and Jay, in my opinion, this worked out ideally for the Bengals. They always wanted him to play on the tag. They always wanted to get that year, this great year at him. They always wanted to pair them with Dax Hill and give Dax Hill all of these reps that he got. So the fact they've been able to go check, check, check on all of it, I think the Bengals come out feeling great of not having to pay the top of the safety market, having their safety of the future, and having a year of all of them being kind of a, a super group together back there. And not twisting, even though they 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 said they expected him back to you, you still there's always that hint of doubt in the back of your mind. And and personally, I I thought this would happen the week of Steelers week, that first week of practice. Yeah. And so this is this is an even bigger deal. It's it's a, a bigger gesture by Jesse to come in now and, and get the tag signed. You're not going to see him practice against the Rams this week, um, but to, to get him back in to know that he is in the fold and now Luke can start making plans for Dax Hill and how they're going to use his versatility. And you just, it, this just kind of sets everything in motion. And, and I, the Bengals social media team is, is so great. And I, and I'm, I really hope they do this. I would love to see one of those first day of school pictures, but Jesse Bates first day of camp with one of those little signs and um, just kind of have a, 
kind of let the the animosity, whatever there was, wash away, have a little fun with him coming back. I don't know that Jesse would be willing to do that, but it would be a fun post if so, if they were able to pull something like that off. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, I enjoy, I used to always hate those, like, uh, <laughs> right, because you see so many of them, and yeah. then, like, the moment I have a kid who went to school for the first time, which is kindergarten starting last week, I'm like, they're the greatest, I, I want to see more of them, can everybody post them, please? Uh, we, I, back uh, in the Inquirer days, myself, Jim Ozarski, and Sam Green did one of those on our first road trip of the season, yeah. uh, we, we made one, and all three of us, with totally nonplussed faces in my front yard, staying there holding the sign said first road trip uh whatever because it is that's that's always when it does feel like the season is is really starting uh but yeah i'm with you the one of that one other thing i want to address with this and because we, we lord knows we have talked jesse bates to death over the last couple of years uh one i I mean, we'll see. I would not expect him to be any kind of a major participant. Uh, I would expect a lot of side field working into condition stuff happening over the next couple of weeks. Uh, I, I wouldn't look for, um, you know, anything that would involve him being really in any 11 on 11s or 7s with the Rams, in case you mm -hmm. were thinking that. That that seems like a um, – that'd be very, very surprising. Um the other thing that was brought up, though, with this was, was like I saw a couple of tweets about suggesting that how well Dax Hill was playing had something to do with Jesse Bates coming in. They, they're absolutely not connected. No. In any way. I mean, because there was – it made no difference how Dax Hill was playing because there was no leverage to be had at yeah. this point. It was all over. So um, the idea that – it changed anything that Dax Hill was playing well. It was always open for Jesse Bates to come back whenever he wanted to. There was nothing. He was not losing leverage. There was nothing that Dax Hill was taking away from Jesse Bates by playing well, um, other than solidifying their future, which they, you know, didn't really, doesn't really affect anything either. So this was, you know, to me, this was never, I mean, Dax Hill wasn't going to come in and suddenly be starting over top of Jesse Bates. Hmm. Um, this is just good reps for him. So I, I want to make sure that's kind of dispelled because I've seen that a couple of times and it's just not the case. No, at all. At, you, you, you hit it on the head that there's no leverage. This is a, this was a black and white issue where you sign it or you don't. There's, there's no more negotiating. There's no more. What about this? What about that? Tweak this. It is black and white. 12.9 million. You want it or you don't. Doesn't matter how your, your replacement's playing. Doesn't matter anything else. It was all on Jesse's shoulders if he wanted to sign it and play next year will be the big year where leverage negotiations, all that comes back into play once this season's over. Yeah. And those will not be happening in Cincinnati. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, back to Mike Brown's statement, quarterback wide receivers with an S uh, <laughs> others that expect to be paid at the top of their market. Linebacker. Uh, Logan Wilson, I mean, yeah, they have a draft to pay off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and so there there's going to be some significant cash flow uh, going in that direction. Uh, but anyway, and not to mention, you know, you're going to be talking about others, that whole defense being up uh, mm. in a lot in a lot of key spots that all the DBs, Von Bell, um, you're are you going to be talking about bringing him back? Are you looking for more money for Cheeto? Uh, who deserves? There's, there's just, there's going to be a lot to be said. A lot, lot of bills are going to come due yeah. uh, next year. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a... Real POS. You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Let's let's get to uh, joint practices here, um, because we've got a lot of fun. I, I love these anytime. It's been a minute since the Bengals have been in any, and these are the first joint practices of Zach Taylor's tenure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and it's the Rams. You know, which is just a ridiculous storyline that you're going to have the Super Bowl rematch coming to town in uh, two days to sort of relive that. But I mean, it's going to be great work. Um, you've got a lot of great individual matchups here. Jay, I- I've got a list here in front of me of things that I'm watching. Uh, I'll let you kick it off, though. What are you What are you most looking forward to uh, over the course of these few days? Yeah. Um... <laughs> It, it's a it's a toss up, but I'm going to go with Jalen Ramsey against Jamar Chase. I just you always wonder about in these these joint practices the the emotions running high and will there be fights and you know Sean and, and Zach know each other so well and they've laid down the law to their team this isn't going to happen. But we've we've seen Eli Apple get under Jamar Chase's skin. We know what Jalen Ramsey is. I mean, he turned AJ Green into a raging maniac. Nobody's been able to do that. Yeah. Um, he he has a way of getting under people's skins. Will he tone it down for these practices? I don't know. We we talked about this is going to be the most competitive thing that any of these guys do in training camp. I don't I don't know if there's going to be trash talking. It's going to be it, even if there's not the trash talking element. It, it's going to be fascinating to watch two of the best at their position going head to head. So I. I I think it all starts there for me. That's just fun to watch one-on-ones anyhow. And then when you get, you're talking sevens, you're talking team 11 on 11. Um, I expect those two to, to be matched up the way they were in the Super Bowl. And everybody remembers Jalen Ramsey falling down on that, that what could have been 
one of the most iconic plays in Super Bowl history. If Joe had another second or two, I, I don't know how much Jalen has has heard about that. I'm sure he's probably still a little salty about the uh, the T Higgins tug on the long touchdown pass too. So there's there's a lot there with Jalen Ramsey, and he is. Uh, what you would call a loose cannon. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how he acts and how the Bengals receivers react. We have seen a lot of issues across the league with joint practices. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of fights. I mean, Panthers and Patriots turned into a just debacle. I mean, kick guys of, out. Yeah, I mean, of just every just over and over again, fights upon fights upon fights. Um, you hope it doesn't come to that i mean i guess if it does it does right um i can tell you this i mean there may be fights and pushing and shoving and stuff like that i would expect that i mean the Bengals do that to each other Mm -hmm. um however i will say if anybody comes near joe burrow (laughs) who is coming (laughs) off of this appendectomy uh there will be action i there is no doubt that if if anybody oversteps their bounds and gets a little bit of a hit or something like that on Burrow, um, you're going to have action. It's the one thing that could set things off, I think, for the Bengals because uh, it's the last thing anybody wants to see, and he'll be out there fully, which brings me to my number one thing. Look, the real Burrow, man, the, he, he was very honest last week that these are the game reps. This is it. For him and the way this whole thing unfolded with the appendectomy, this is a huge deal. It's about... Uh, these two days as his way to really get everything sharpened up for the regular season that none of the starters have played in any of the games. Uh, the practices have been competitive, but it's going against the same people. They know what you're doing. These two days for the, for the Bengals ones, for the Bengals starting players and contributors that haven't played in these games, this is it. These two days are it for them to see where they're at, Make sure they're up to where the level they want to be at. And most notably, Burrow, who's trying to get himself ramped up off the epidectomy. So to me, how does Burrow and the offense look against the Rams when they go out there and, and run 11s and do move the ball? And it's all, it's all out there. It's all spontaneous plays. It's scrambling and what have you. Um, really, really curious to see how that looks. I know it's not um, some uh, strong branch to go out on. Uh, to say I think it's going to be most interesting to watch Joe Burrow, uh, but I do think in this case when you take the totality of everything that's gone on and will go on between now and the opener against Pittsburgh, I do think he and this offense is the most interesting thing. Yeah, and kind of my my other 1A with the Chase Ramsey thing was going to be the, the seeing this Bengals offensive line, the way that it's probably going to look week one against the Steelers. LC in there, Cordell Volson in there. I mean, you're going to, this is going to be the first real look at those guys and they're going to be going against a formidable group. I mean, Volson against Aaron Donald, there's, there's a lot of things you want to see how that O line is going to hold up. And, and that all goes into the Joe Burrow part of it too. Cause if you really want to see him let it rip and, and have this be his, his main thing of the preseason, it can't look like the Super Bowl looked where he has zero time at all. And even though the, the Rams know they can't hit him, I mean, it's football. Guys slip. Guys get thrown. Guys go to the ground. It's you just. I, I think there's going to be a lot of a lot. I don't know. You have people holding their breath, but you, you don't want to see anyone get anywhere close to him because not because you're afraid he's going to get hit, but just because anything can happen. Bodies on the ground. Um, pe- someone shoved 
into him. There's a, there's, there's things that would be bad. And I, like you said, they, they, the, the Rams know what's up. The Bengals know what's up. They're, they're not going to be taking any shots at the other team's quarterback, but you get close. Anything can happen. And, um, Lord knows the Rams got close a lot in the Super Bowl. <laughs> close. <laughs> yes. Intimately close. Uh, inside his knee close. Uh, <laughs> um, close to his soul. We, look, <laughs> Uh, our good friend from L.A., Jordan Rodriguez, is going to be here, so we will have all three of us having you covered from from both angles and both sides. Really looking forward uh, to all that. One other thing, though, I want to say before we hit a break and get to Mo. Um, we have not seen the real Bengals offensive line uh, mm-hmm. in its overhauled form yet. And now to get to see it against the group that put the final stamp on the fact that they have to overhaul this thing is fascinating because we haven't seen Lyle Collins in 11s. He said to us at the end of last week, he is anticipating, he's on pace uh, to be a participant in 11s uh, against the Rams and, and is kind of, you know, this is not me. I'm not accusing Lyle Collins of anything here. But it is very fitting that he comes in in the moment that he's fully ready to hit 11s is really in these two sessions to, that are really going to kind of get you ready to go um, for for the regular season. It does seem to be right on schedule with where you want to be. And, and that's going to be the case here is that you're going to have Collins, Kappa, Karras, Volson. And Jonah Williams out there against this Rams defensive line yeah. and really getting a, a look, the communication, the, you know, real dudes, Aaron Donald. Okay. I mean, all those guys that the Rams have, uh, you're going to get a chance to see them together and, and for them have two days of reps, really priceless stuff to get all of that on the same page and ready for when Pittsburgh and TJ Watt and Cam Hayward uh, come in here on September 11th. So I, I think that obviously um, is going to be a big deal. It's our, our only chance to really judge that group fully together here, uh, at least in front of our eyes, that we're allowed to see during practice uh, this entire training camp. Yeah, yeah, just really, really looking forward to this. And um, I'm, I'm, I didn't know that. I'm glad that Jordan is here. Maybe, Maybe we can – have her be a guest on Thursday. Oh, it feels like a possibility for the podcast, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, lots of lots of good stuff. Uh, certainly gonna gonna come out of that. Make sure you keep a lock on the athletic. All right, we are back from our beautiful sponsors at Magic Spoon and Masterclass. Time for our masterclass in dropping into a podcast, and that is our good friend and yours, <laughs> Mo Egger. Look at that! I got two sponsor drops in there and brought you in, Mo. I mean, who's who's the radio guy now? I think I might as well just hang it up. Yet another yeah. sign that the game has passed me by, and somebody else is ready to take over. That's what are you right. doing uh, today at three? Why don't you just do the whole damn thing yourself? That sounds like an awful thing. I don't want to do that at all. Uh, I am I am excited though. Today, Tuesday, 3 o'clock, we are changing location. I just have to continually remind myself all day, do not drive to the studio. Do not drive to the studio. Do not drive to the studio. It is at Moorline Logger House uh, from 3 to 4. Your, your show, all t- Tuesday, every Tuesday this whole year is going to be down at Moorline from 3 to 6, right? I think until the end of football season, yeah. So ideally, uh, like last year, until mid-February, right? That'd be great. 
much more convenient for post-show pops to be had uh, rather than it is in, inside of iHeart. No question. No question. Uh, which is very exciting. Also, uh, your Mo- the Moegger podcast, uh, really one of the only podcasts out there, so you want to make sure you check it out. Uh, but Andy Furman is your guest. Very excited to listen to that. So, yeah, I think Andy and Dan Patrick are the greatest two interviewers in sports talk radio that I've ever heard. Uh, and so I thought it would, we can't get Dan Patrick, you know, Dan's made it known. He will not come on podcasts. He hates being asked to go on podcasts. Yes. So we, we crossed him off the list and said, okay, <laughs> I think we can get Andy. And so I, I thought it would be fun to interview somebody whose interviewing skills I've, I've tried with no success, uh, to copy and emulate and learn from. And so we had a, a fun conversation, uh, that posted, it dropped as they say early this morning. Andy Furman joined us for mock turtle soup this year. Did he? Yes. You have to ask him about that. Well, now I have to go back and do another podcast. (laughs) Wow. What I always enjoyed about Andy Furman and people might not know this, this is maybe should be saved for our scoops behind the curtain nuggets section. uh, But he will send you mail. Like oh. a, a lot of mail. If he likes a, st- he, mm. when I would write for the Inquirer, if I would have a story um, that he particularly liked or wanted to come, he would clip it out, put it in an envelope, l- write a note about whatever he, if he liked it or whatever, and send it to me at the Inquirer. And I, I never got mail at the Inquirer. I barely even mm. knew that I had a mailbox there. The mm. only thing that ever showed up there was like the occasional weird box from somebody who was trying to like get you to talk about their product or Andy Furman liked your story. And I always appreciated that just because it gave me reason to something to do in the office to go to my mailbox. When Andy worked with us, he would mail stuff to people who he worked with. You would yeah. get a letter <laughs> with the return address of the building you worked in. I, I was at UC once in the football offices, and this is many, many years ago. And one of the assistant coaches comes out holding like a stack of stuff. He's like, can you tell me what this is all about? I'm like, if he sees your name in any sort of article anywhere, he's going to mail it to you. That's that's what he does. <laughs> we actually talked about that in, in the podcast. Uh, he once, and we talked about this, Andy and I were once on a remote. This is when I was working sort of as a producer. We, we had a remote for Chunky Soup, and one of the Chunky Soup like marketing people had a raincoat on that said Chunky Soup on it, and he liked it and ends up writing like the person in charge of marketing for chunky soup, basically asking, can I have one of these yellow rain slickers? And so like a month later, I'm in the the control room running a show and he's holding one of these for me. He's like, I got two, I got two for you. I'm like, you're one of the most bizarre people I've ever seen in my, he would see coaches wearing stuff on the sideline of football games and write the team and ask, could I have that polo? This is the kind of person we're talking about, which is why I wanted to have him on to talk about that sort of stuff. Do you still have the rain slicker? I told him I had it up until my last move, which was three years uh, ago. I maybe wore it once, but it was, yes, it was a pretty nice rain slicker. Yes, very nice. I, I, cause it feels like something that feels like something that would be great to be hanging behind you on your YouTube Zoom. <laughs> you know, so anybody asks, you can tell that story about the Chunky Soup rain slicker. You know, it's a good That's idea. Right. Let's, let's actually get to talking about uh, your tweets, which is very important. Oh, boy. Uh, Jay, how many tweets do we got this week? Uh, just 96 this week. Uh, but again, mm. Tuesday, the highest volume day, I, I went and added up just on Tuesday. You had 24 last Tuesday. What was going on last Tuesday? I have no idea. I don't, I don't know. know. 
It's, it must have been a newsy day. Uh, it's the two weeks in a row. Tuesday's been the most heavy volume day, so I don't know. Wow, Tuesday's the day, huh? Promoting That's Paul's it. appearance. Yeah, oh, that must well, be of it. course. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, let's um, <laughs> let's talk about this. Um, you, we have to talk about Fad Moss. Uh, yeah, and the the hit heard around the world. I'm curious. Um, you know. If you had a takeaway of this is not necessarily about the block, um, you know, it mm-hmm. was de- this is a legal block. It yeah. was declared that by the league. Uh, there mm-hmm. will be no discipline because, and it happens all the time. There are millions of clips of teams doing this. What was your reaction to the entire thing as it unfolded in our world a little bit yesterday? Um, I enjoyed everybody's perspective because I don't think anybody was too out of bounds. I think there were a lot of people who want that sort of hit banned and were using that to make the point. And in some cases, maybe articulating that poorly. Uh, There's a difference between dirty and boy, that shouldn't be legal. Um, if you want to tell me that hit shouldn't be legal, I'm, I'm fine with that. I, I would say you're reducing the the striking area uh, where, where guys can hit players because we know we don't want them hitting uh, guys above the neck. But I actually thought it was a pretty interesting conversation that unfolded about what should and shouldn't be legal. Uh, Dirty, I have a hard time calling something that's within the parameters of the rules dirty. I mean, I just, you know, there's, it's like some, I said this on a show yesterday, back when, and baseball is totally screwed up, it's it's catcher blocking the plate rule. But, you know, there were times where, okay, it's 10-0, you're rounding third, you're going to make an 11-0 game if you score. Uh, don't go head first into the catcher, right? So apply some context here. But this is a guy scratching and clawing to make an NFL team. He's doing everything he can to make a living playing professional football. Um, and his career, his professional career, is is very much hanging in the balance. This is not a time to let up. This is a time to execute the play the way the coaches teach you and do so within the framework of the rules. There are times where in the regular season, look, it's 42-3, we're playing out the string. Uh, Why don't you just make contact with the guy and and move on? This wasn't that for Thaddeus Moss. This is a guy trying to show that he belongs in the NFL, and so he's doing everything his coaches are telling him to do, including throw that particular block. Now, again, if you want to have a conversation about whether or not that play, that block should be outlawed, I'm here for it. Um, And so I thought a lot of the directions that people were trying to take the conversation were based on this is the sort of block that needs to be outlawed from this game. But you can't do that retroactively. And so applying what the rules are, Thaddeus Moss did something legal. And so I can't criticize the guy. And if you want to say it was dirty, how how within the context of what Thaddeus Moss is trying to accomplish, understanding that what he did is legal and he wasn't fined for it or not going to be fined for it, how how could you how could you claim that what he did was dirty? And again, it's a different conversation if you want to talk about moving forward that that sort of block within the tackle box because it's not legal outside the tackle box. Let's go ahead and extend that to plays inside the tackles. Let's do that. I'm fine. And and I I thought some of the conversations about that in particular were. We're pretty interesting, especially from from former and uh, current players. Yeah, that that's just it. There was there was so much so much on Twitter back and forth from analysts and just fans. And um, if there's if there's one guy whose opinion I really respect, it's Joe Thomas, who's probably going to be a Hall of Famer, the former Browns mm-hmm. offensive lineman, and he put something out this morning, um, basically saying it, it's more on Thibodeau 
to to brace himself yeah. for that block to know that's coming. It's something he has to learn as a young guy. And he also he made a really good point that if defensive guys have a problem with with that type of block, then they need to quit taking out running backs' knees. If you see a big back like Joe Mixon or or Nick Chubb coming at you, then that can't, you that you can't complain if you're going to knife in and take that guy's legs out. Hit him high. If you don't want to be hit low, you need to hit people high. And I, I thought that was a really interesting perspective. And it's it's always hard to to kind of break it down when you can watch replays in slow motion because you know people don't think in slow motion. But if you notice, the thad kind of hitches. It's mm-hmm. like it's it's like there's that slight hesitation of what do I do because it looked like Thibodeau started to go low where maybe he wasn't going to go low he was just going to knock him high and then he sees Thibodeau go low and he figured he had to go low it'll be interesting to see when we finally do get a chance to to talk to Thad Moss what his thought process there but but as I pointed out in the th- the piece we had yesterday that you know he he got flagged for two holding calls for for poor technique on blocking mm-hmm. he's he's doing exactly you would assume doing exactly what he's coached to do. He's fighting and clawing, as you said, to make this team. He's trying to do everything by the book. And I just, I get the instant reaction because you see a first round pick go down on a low hit, but I think that's where people need to kind of count to 10 before they tweet. There's a, yeah, there's a couple of points here that are important. It, one, you know, Andrew Whitworth kind of mm-hmm. talked about that, had, had a great tweet mm-hmm. about this. He's like, I have seen tight ends get absolutely chewed out for not doing it this way. Mm-hmm. Again, this is this is somebody who feels like his job is on the line to do it exactly the way he's coached, and that's exactly the way you're coached and exactly the way the Giants do it. So that's that's fine. Um, remember Joe Mixon, the, the uh, sack given up in the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. where he runs at a linebacker and dives at his knees, the guy perfectly pushes him down to the ground and sprints directly to a sack at the quarterback. I mean, it there are ways that are easily easy to dismiss uh, a block like that. Lastly, here's the real problem. And this gets into something that you kind of touched on, Mo and, and Jay. So I just I'm a little triggered on this because I just got done watching the Manti Teo doc. And it and and what ends up happening in the Manti Teo doc, spoiler alert, uh it, for me, it ends up being so much about what is wrong with media and mm-hmm. what is wrong with how shaming can just ruin someone's life and it's just done without a thought. And, and that is kind of what happened to Thad Moss here, like mm-hmm. on a on a tiny minuscule scale of that. And I'm so sick of it. I'm so sick of this happening all the time. People being so quick to use words like coward and and uh, dirty AF and this like just can you just stop for a second before you just start throwing this type of stuff out at somebody who's out here trying to do their job like look we all have tweets that we regret. We count Mo's up on a weekly basis. <laughs> but, but like for a second let's stop being like this in and the instant in the moment attacks that happen and think about it and the problem there's no accountability for that the same way there's no accountability for all the people that did the Manti Teo stuff 10 years ago that at root that ruined this dude's life amongst other people um you have no accountability for this type of stuff when it happens even from those who are supposed to be at the most influential of our profession and i find it incredibly frustrating 
uh, you're referring to? Is that Emmanuel Acho? It was, that was, was he the guy cowardly? That, obviously, cowardly. They, Warren Sharp with the original. I think that really got got it started yeah. going. Yeah. Um, a, a number of people jumped on that. They they were the some of the first and the most notable, but they they certainly weren't alone. So, I, I guess for me, and your everything you said is right. I try to filter that stuff out, and and I I try to find the people who, regardless of how you felt about the play itself, um. The, the folks who are a little bit more willing to offer a scientific breakdown and apply some context to the play itself. And so, you know, you mentioned Andrew Whitworth, Andrew Whitworth, I thought was, was very, very thoughtful. Um, you know, my, my colleague, Tony Pike, who, who basically echoed what Jay just talked about. Hey, look, as, as, as a, as a defensive player, here's how you're taught to shed that block. I mean, I, I think some of those conversations are interesting for me. There's, there's, there's like, it's it's the, the the first people to sort of rush in and and have the take. I I usually tend to just sort of cast aside. And and by the way, I'm sometimes that person. And so, and then with the benefit, it's it's like I always say, I I hate hosting post game shows because I'd rather sit down, look up, take a breath. Okay, how do I feel about this? And also, how do people who know more about me uh, nor, know more about this topic feel about this? And so, how should that in fact impact my opinion? So that's. That's how I kind of took the whole Thaddeus Moss thing is yesterday morning. I'm filtering out cowardly, kick him out of the league, system, all that stuff. Okay, let's hear from people who have played the sport, who have studied the sport, who know the sport, who know the rules, uh, and who will apply the proper context. And and then I'll make my decision. And that's kind of um, what I did. But yeah, I mean... You know, it's just it's sort of the culture we live in, right? Like you've you've got to have the most outlandish thing. Everybody's got to pile on. I, I, for me personally, I try to weed a lot of that stuff out and find the folks who are a little bit more thoughtful, a little bit more pragmatic. And it it tends to be that those people don't weigh in first. Um, and that t- that that to me was was the case um, yesterday. I mean, I, I took my cue from the New York Giants. None of those players seem to take any. Uh, exception with what Thaddeus Moss did. And, you know, look, the play itself unfolded pretty slowly. I mean, he sold the move. If you're Kayvon Thibodeau, you had to have known in real time he's coming low. Okay, well, what's the technique to avoid the low block? I mean, it's not like he blindsided him. He didn't hit him from behind. And again, this is a guy who's doing everything he can to to make the team. Uh, I certainly hope that as a result of what has uh, happened over the last 24 hours or so he doesn't wear the label of dirty player i don't think he will but Hmm. you know again for me a lot of that stuff that just came out instantly okay look he's not cowardly he's he's a guy playing a really physical sport there is also i i feel like and it's been this way for years whenever somebody suffers any sort of injury and there's an opposing player involved in any sport we immediately rush to was it dirty and you see this in basketball. You, you've seen this with, with plays at second base in baseball and at home plate. Um, you know, th- there was a play this year involving Tyler Stevenson uh, of the Reds mm-hmm. where he got hit. Look, it's it's a tough play at the plate. It's a physical that, – that part of the sport can be physical, and it involves contact and collision, and stuff is going to happen. I think it was Steven Vogt of the Padres who hit him, and unfortunately, Tyler suffered a concussion. And we just default to this place where was it dirty? Was there ill intent? And what's the repercussion going to be? Sometimes stuff happens within the context of an athletic event in which guys are playing or women are playing really, really hard and there's physicality involved. And that's what I saw happen on Sunday night. 
the 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 one thing, if I could play devil's advocate, where you say it, it can't be dirty and legal at the same time, I, I would ask Bengal fans uh, how you felt about the. This goes back a ways, but the Heinz Ward hit on Keith Rivers. It was that crackback block was a legal block at the time, outlawed after that play, mm-hmm. primarily because of that play broke Keith Rivers' jaw. Um, that was a legal play, but do you still consider that a dirty play? And I'm not saying Thad Moss is was a dirty play. It wasn't, but there, yeah, there for people that say it can't be both that that's the play that always comes to my mind. Yeah, no, I mean, that was 2008 Keith rivers. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most vicious plays I've ever seen in, in real time. And, and I, I remember sort of taking the same public stance. Look, I hate it. I hate that it happened. And certainly there are some things that, that Heinz Ward does that I would object to. I'm sorry this is just not one of them. And, and yeah, look, man, the thing that bothered me more in that game was none of, none of Keith's teammates really seemed to care. Uh, but, but again, yeah, I, I have a hard time if something is within the framework of the rules and look again, it's, it's one thing if it's, Hey, it's a, it's 38, 10, uh, Pittsburgh has the ball and you know, they're, they're running the clock out. Okay, ease up. That wasn't the case in that play, and so I didn't like it for Keith. I certainly mm-hmm. didn't like it as as a Bengals fan. But yeah, I I, I had a hard time objecting to that. And, and look, I mean, people still want to say that Kimo von Ohlhofen on Carson Palmer was dirty. And as much as I hated that, and I I still hate it to this day. I, I just I, I can't use my anger over what happened as an excuse to say something that I don't believe. And so again, in real time. Uh, being at the game with my dad, I remember everybody's frothing at the mouth and I'm like, you know, I just think it's the sort of thing that just unfortunately happens within the context of an NFL game. It's funny how many rules have been changed because of <laughs> Bengals getting hit by Steelers. <laughs> I mean, the, the Carson Palmer, the knees to the quarterback rule was because of that rivers mm-hmm. crackback uh, had a rule change. Uh, and then don't forget the hit on Giovanni Bernard in the meltdown yeah. at Paul Brown game. We're leading with the helmet directly under the chin became outlawed. There was a couple other rules actually that changed after that game. <laughs> uh, and it's like Steelers hits on Bengals have always had people saying, maybe we shouldn't let people do that you know is that something you're proud of i mean (laughs) if you care about either franchise is that something you're really it's just odd how it does seem to always end up this way all right let's just take a quick break and now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct tv satellite free you see this a family watching baseball on direct tv with no satellite dish in sight let's heckle them you call that changing the channel choke up on the remote buddy i hope getting all these games on direct tv makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds direct tv has the most mlb games visit directtv.com claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher availability of rsn's varies by zip code and package high-speed internet service required terms and restrictions apply As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. we got to move on because I have one more important tweet to talk to you about um, <laughs> and that connects you with Jay, really, in a lot of ways. And it was from Saturday evening. Uh, it was mostly a photo. And a picture of the uh, the marquee at at Bogarts oh, with yeah. an LFG, and that was <laughs> the yacht rock review that you attended. Yeah. Please, uh, you guys can have the floor discussing the yacht rock review. Jay, were you there? I, I was not there. We went. In oh, I had three concerts <laughs> in five days, and then we kayaked all day Saturday. So I was probably mm. asleep while you were at Bogarts. Um, have you seen yacht rock review? I have not. No. All right, so it's awesome. This is the fourth time I've gone. Uh, the show is always at Bogarts. It is 25 to 30 songs that everybody knows, that everybody can sing along to. There's a lot of captain's hats. Uh, there, There's a lot of, like, sailing gear. I'm not a big, like, dress up to go to a concert. Like, I'll wear a, a sports T-shirt to go to a game. I'm not a big... Like um, if I go see Buffett, I'm not going to dress up like uh, a parrot head. This is not my jam. If I go see Springsteen, I don't dress up like a factory worker uh, or a guy who's uh, Bilky's fans for for ticket money. Uh, if I go see Yacht Rock, I'm not going to wear a captain's hat. But it's it's just a really good time, and um, the crowd is getting younger, or maybe I'm just getting older. But the, the first year that I went, I felt like man, I'm like the youngest person here. This is like four or five years ago, and now I look around, it's like wow, there's. There's kids just fresh out of college. It is a scene, man, uh, because, <laughs> y- you know, you have the music. Y- you have some folks that you could tell they don't get a ton of nights out and they take full advantage. And they're in this sort of like, you know, pseudo college atmosphere. But as a show, there is not a song that you won't recognize. And it's just a mixture of, you know, it's yacht rock. But but yacht rock is really soft rock from like the, the 70s and, and early 80s. Although they did play, Jay, they did play Jump by Van Halen. Nope. Which I, I wouldn't associate with no. yacht rock. I wouldn't put that in the, the yacht rock category, but but the guys did play it. Is Can there you any give me a surfing? couple of songs? Can you give me a couple of songs that were uh you got a like a like a Pablo Cruz Love Will Find a Way? You mm. got a, the Michael McDonald, I keep forgetting with the obligatory Warren G rap in the middle of it, which oh, was yeah. cool as hell. Nice. Uh you're gonna get a lot of Eagles, you're gonna get some journey. Uh, there were two Eagle songs played life of the fast lane. The Eagles are sort of quintessential. I think yacht rock. You you had that. I mean, it was, it was a really, really good time. And, uh, you know, I, I, the first time I had been to Bogarts, I saw Marilyn Manson. So now being in that venue and seeing yacht rock, it's entirely different. (laughs) If there's no crowd surfing, no guitar solos and no mullets, uh, I'm probably not going to show up. There had to have been mullets. There were mullets. Okay. Uh, one out of three. I don't I don't think there was any crowd surfing. I stood in the back as I tend to do, but uh it's a really good time. Yacht Rock Review. Next time they're in town, I encourage you and your audience to go. 
Not to mention the fact with mullets, by the way, Jay, is that they're as back as they could possibly be right now. So that would suggest the crowd was very young if there was mullets yeah. uh, because the kids these days, I mean, have you have you seen the mullet competition, the mullet tournament yeah. or whatever that was going on? A lot of Ohio kids represented in there the, <laughs> with the, the big, the wide sunglasses and the mullets. Jay, I mean, it's pretty much like your life has come back full circle here. I, I think I should take credit for that. I think I think it's, you should grow it back out. <laughs> there bring was, back there the was, mullet. Hashtag bring back Jay's mullet. <laughs> there was somebody on Saturday who suffered some sort of, and I don't want to overdramatize it by saying it was a medical emergency, but I don't know if they blew out the rank. Something happened and an ambulance had to be called. And a buddy of mine was getting a beer as like the ambulance guys come in. And the door flings open and these guys come in and the, like a music video started singing the song that was playing, (laughs) which tells me that whatever they were dealing with was not that serious, which is why we can laugh at it because I I can't imagine had we been dealing with somebody dealing with something that was, you know, life-threatening that these guys would have come in singing the songs that were being played. But yeah, man, it's a, it's a really good time. Uh, and, and, you know, obviously their, their shows the last couple of years got shelved because of the pandemic. So it was, it was great to be back. So uh, well, I look forward to maybe, maybe we can play those in the background to see the people at Moreline. Maybe they'll be open to dropping some yacht rock into the background was when I come down there today from, sure. I'll be down there from three to four. You'll be down there from three to six. People can come hang out, have a beer and listen to us chat. We'll be there every single, uh, Tuesday. Really, uh, really looking forward to that. And there's more Bengals news for us to talk about too, that just came out. So we'll, uh, we'll have plenty of, Plenty of topics to go through. Can this be the last time we talk about Jesse Bates? I think it can be. Yeah. I mean, I, I just want to make fun of the whole idea of he has no intention of playing under the franchise tag. <laughs> yes. That's like yes. me having no intention of getting up this morning and, and, and eating a, a disgustingly unhealthy breakfast. Of course <laughs> I was going to do that. And of course, Jesse was going to play under the franchise tag. I love it. That and more. Looking forward to it, Mo. We'll see you this afternoon. All right, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Later. Mo. See you, guys. All right, as I mentioned, uh, 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 the the breaking news as we record live on YouTube, uh, it, which came out as we just went on with Mo there, which was just the Bengals making it official about Jesse Bates re-signing. Brandon Wilson goes to the PUP list, uh, and they waived quarterback Drew Plitt. Uh, sad for for Drew Plitt, but Drew Plitt had his moment to play to to just go out there with a perfect passer rating at Paul Brown Stadium uh and throw a touchdown pass in his hometown uh take that jersey frame it hang it up with a picture of uh, of that you from that game because Drew Plitt you earned it uh and I hope you enjoyed your moment uh and we'll be sad to see him go still one more move to go Yes, they, still they, they've move. still got one spot to clear by. And it's interesting because I, I believe Joe Batchy's knee injury came much after Brandon Wilson. So a little surprising to see. But I would assume Batchy is going to be the other one that likely would be put on pup. I'm, I don't know why they wouldn't have done it at the same time. Maybe there's some questions about another uh, player that they may waive or not. But hard to know. Um, one to go. Yeah, hard to hard to know. We'll we'll see as that as that comes out. All right, Jay, it is time. We're, we're a working title on this, so I didn't I didn't really like scoops, 
because scoops suggest that we're always having some kind of breaking news. But this segment isn't necessarily meant to always be news. Sometimes it's just funny, something that you see when you're at the stadium or the locker room, around the players or the coaches or whatever, on the road even. It could be something funny that happened at a road dinner. I mean, it could be anything. And so scoops suggests uh, that it's always news. Sometimes it is. So we nuggets being suggested uh you know behind the curtain is kind of kind of soft and cliche if you have an idea for what this segment should be called you let us know you guys are smart you guys always have great ideas so if you're listening to this you got a good idea for what this segment should be called uh well, behind the curtain nuggets you've got an idea let us know what you think it is either way it's time for working title uh, uh jay you 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 came up with one at the last second, didn't even tell me what it was before we started the show. So now I'm curious. I got to know. What are you opening with? Well, so this, it's kind of prolonged. I'm going to tell on myself a little bit. But last Thursday's practice when Logan Wilson kicked the field goal uh, at the end uh, to give him the lighter day on Friday, uh, as I was leaving, there was a bunch of fans. So I walked inside the rope instead of outside the rope. And then there's Evan McPherson signing autographs. I was like, well, I got to ask Evan what his thoughts are on Logan Wilson's kicking form. Um, I got a talking to from security that they, they said, you know, you're not supposed to be here. And I said, I just want to ask him one question. And, and Evan said, yeah, I'll talk to him. I'll talk to him. But he was signing an autograph. So when I go back and listen to his quotes, it's hilarious because all you hear is Evan, Evan. And at one point the crowd just chant as I'm talking to him and they're waiting for their autographs. They break into an Evan. Evan, it's just nonstop. <laughs> the, the the kids cheering for Evan McPherson. They love him. But as I'm walking away from that, someone else stops me and I'm, t- I'm talking to them. And then Zach's wife, Sarah, walks by and says hello. And if you remember on the last podcast, I, I posited the question was, did Zach call Sarah to complain as soon as he got in his office about the new girl drop in the in the Sports Illustrated article, or did he wait till he got home? I was like, I've got to find this out. So I I went back out. I tracked her down on the street right before she got in her car, and we had a little conversation. And I asked about it, and she said, um, I think he was legitimately mad. He came right upstairs and called me, <laughs> and he was he just didn't understand what why he wasn't mad that. You know, that he liked the show New Girl was out there. He just didn't understand why that was in a Sports Illustrated article. And then she did allow four fans of the show that their favorite character on the show is Nick. Okay. I got to say, last week we had a lot of news that went on. We had the Burrow return and all kinds of other stuff. Definitely my favorite thing about last week was the whole New Girl storyline and and Zach (laughs) Zach Taylor being absolutely befuddled as to why anybody cares that he's watched New Girl this much, why he loves the show this much. And this is just a great add-on to that. I really, really enjoyed it. I almost enjoyed this as much as I've enjoyed the whole concept of Tom Brady having gone to the Masked Singer, which I just want to be the case so badly uh, and have really enjoyed uh, that becoming a thing. Like all oh, the, the silly season of trading camp. Uh, it always amuses me. Very excited about that. Um, so my, my be behind the curtain nugget um, is, is not really, it's not a funny one, but I do think it's interesting. I kind of just talking around uh, the Bengals a little bit yesterday was kind of trying to, ask about Cordell Volson because we talked a lot about him. Obviously Uh, we thought he played pretty well uh, in the game. PFF came out and did not have great grades on him um, and did not specifically in pass blocking really 
really were were tough on him. Of course, he had they had him for three pressures, the sack, which we noted on the DB blitz that he got confused on and wasn't able to get uh, taken care of, and and Brandon Allen went down, and then two hurries on forty opportunities, but twenty true pass sets. All of the pressures came on true pass sets, um, which is a better way to judge sort of the 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 long run of how good somebody actually is in pass pro. Um, the 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 scoopage is sort of that Bengals like the way he played, and I think there's a word to remember in this that we have talked about with the Bengals. In regards to offensive line play since the beginning, since they started trying to overhaul this thing, and that is reliability. They have tried to find that, a predictability, a level, right? Get to even, be okay. Don't have the huge whiffs, the bad misses, the things that are just disastrous, you know, and have consistency, right? What did Frank Pollock say when we talked to him last week? What is the number one thing you're looking for in that in that job? Consistency, right? There was not egregious air, you know, in Volson's game. We can talk about reading that blitz or whatever, but I mean, really, most of his issues were not that big of a deal. There was not the egregious air. There was a there's been a level of consistency, and that's been true in practices too to his game. And and I it feels like, you know, that is really the big going to be the words that will be used when we hear where this thing eventually lands and I do think it'll land on Bolson and that being a key part of it. Jay, you have stats to back this up, right? You have you have some Jay's got stats to talk a little bit about the potential of Bolson as the starter on opening day. Yeah, well, I went back and looked to see how often have the Bengals done that? How often have they started a rookie offensive lineman in week 1? Um, and the answer is 15 times. Well, I, going back to 70, the, the, the starting stats only go back to 70, to the NFL merger. So not sure about 68 and 69, but, um, 15 times, uh, if you take it out where obviously a first round pick probably has a pretty good chance of starting on opening day. If you look at fourth round and later, um, it's, it's only happened five times, but, three fairly recently, Michael Jordan in 2019, Russell Bodine in 2014. I know I'm probably not making Bengal fans feel good about this, this track record, but then you have Clint Bowling in 2011, uh, all those guys, fourth round picks. Um, Rod Jones in 96 was a seventh round pick and Tom Scott in 93 was a sixth round pick. Uh, I went and looked NFL wide just the last 10 years, how many teams have have started a rookie lineman on week one drafted in the fourth round or later and it's happened 21 times um, in the last 10 years and 11 of those 21 teams made the playoffs including all three teams last year who started an offensive lineman picked in, in round four or later Trey Smith with the Chiefs Royce Newman with the Packers Dan Moore with the Steelers all three of those playoff teams so starting a rookie late mid to late round pick is not necessarily uh, something that's going to derail a season. It's it's ideally they would like to have Jackson Carmen in there, but that's just not the way it's played out. Um, So there's, there's a track record there that I I think Bengal fans can be a little encouraged about Michael Jordan and Russell Bodine aside. Yeah. And and Clint would tell you that he did not play well his rookie year. Um, Mm. He eventually became a solid fourth round pick starter for a number of years, but he would tell you that he was benched at one point. I mean, he, you know, it was not the greatest thing. Um, so yeah, that list, 
of the last three to two. It probably doesn't. Uh, but, you know, I also think if you have one guy who is having some ups and downs, you know, with the rest of it solid, that's more than enough for Burrow. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're only as strong as your weakest link, but at the same time, you know, there is a, a, a level that I think they think Volson can play at, and it's just about not being a disaster and having those big whiffs. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see uh, how that eventually ends up playing out over the course of the year. He certainly uh, gave enough reason, I think, for confidence, despite what PFF might uh, have suggested with their grades uh, for for the Bengal staff. So, uh, more to come on that, and he'll be another one that you'll again be watching him as they go against the Rams this week. All right, let's get to some Q and A, uh, and and then your growler bet, and we can get out of here. Um, so I'm going to start here before I dive into the YouTube comments. Thanks for some people that have dropped the questions in there uh, with one that uh, that came from a couple that came from Twitter. Uh, Mike Mummert. Uh, said so with Jesse in now. Do we see Dax tried a little bit at outside corner this week against the Rams? Not expecting him to start or overtake Eli at the moment, but just testing that versatility. Um, it's a it's a good thought. Um, I think they have been testing his versatility. We've seen them expand his role more here in in the last week or two, even. And uh, you know, I, I I outside corner. I just. I think it makes sense to see that, and and I wouldn't be surprised if we, you know, he's if he's out there and one, doing one on one stuff. I mean, those one on one drills are outside corner work, and mm-hmm. so when he's out there, if they have him out there doing some of that stuff, um, that's certainly going to be part of it. Um, I, you know, yeah, I, I would expect to see a look at that, and but more through the one on one type of situation as far as it actually happening in a game. Um, I think you'd have to probably see and they're they're weighing it because the Cam Taylor Britt injury is is mm-hmm. makes them nervous. Um, I think they're looking to potentially acquire a cornerback if they if they can or they feel like there's a deal out there to be had. Um and it suggests that they might need help there, that his versatility is gonna be used. So that it only makes sense that that would be something that they're looking at. And and with Bates here in particular, you it's a lot easier for them to just plop him out there and practice and see how it goes. Yeah, it's such a unique situation because we've seen it's not just the starters they rest in this final game. It's it's the the key backups too, and and Dax certainly fit, fits that bill. So I, I I would expect to see him for a series or two, maybe get some some outside corner run. Um, but you could also see it go the other way where they just don't even dress him at all. Say we've seen enough from this guy. It's more important to get to September 11th and the Steelers. Uh, they'll what he can do in practice be almost as valuable as what he could do in a game against backups. So it, it, it will be interesting to see how they treat that. Uh, a question here, and this echoes a few of the comments uh, in, on YouTube, but this one was on Twitter from Brandon Curtis. Uh, will the Bengals ever look to replace Brandon Allen as the backup? Browning looks like a more exciting backup. Allen looks like Finley 2.0. Um, first of all, a lot of backups look like Finley 2.0. Uh, but I'll say this. I mean – yeah, we talked about that. Brandon Allen didn't look particularly good the other day. Um, I, I still think there's a couple of things. Brandon Allen has a really good relationship with Joe Burrow, and they have talked about the importance of that in terms of who is here um, in helping Joe. Um, it's it's the old line is, uh, why does Peyton Manning take all the practice reps? 
uh, because if Peyton Manning doesn't play, they're effed and they don't practice effed. Okay. And, you know, that goes with the idea of Brandon Allen. Like, Brandon Allen is here to make Joe Burrow better and win them a couple of games if you absolutely have to. He's done that in games. There's enough video evidence with people who who are in this locker room now that have seen Brandon Allen play good in real games to know that he can win them a couple of games. Um, you're not, you're, maybe the, a quarterback becomes available for some reason you know, um, that they could bring in. But I just don't think it's something that they're concerned about. I think Brandon Allen is a standard backup quarterback, and they're not going to let, you know, him not playing super in a preseason game derail that thought. And I don't know that Browning has particularly looked that much better than Allen, uh, certainly not in the practices that we've watched. The other thing is, I mean, Brandon Allen, yes, he hasn't looked good, but he's playing with a second-team offensive line and a stable of receivers that are all undrafted. I mean, you don't think if he is called on for a game or two in the regular season to replace Joe Burrow, you don't think T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, Hayden Hurd, that that offensive line, they're gonna he's going to look better. He has, when he was called in after Joe's injury his rookie year, I mean, he he – he got him a win. He he played solid enough. He is what you would expect from a backup quarterback. Um, I, in the same, his relationship with Zach goes back to the Rams days. I just, I, I think they are very comfortable with, with who Brandon Allen is as a person, as a support system for Joe Burrow and what he can be if called on an emergency. And he, he wasn't a total disaster during the practices when Burrow was out when he was no. throwing. I mean, he certainly had a nice connection with Chase going a lot of times. I mean, he's not Burrow at all. Uh, he's a backup quarterback, but it wasn't a total disaster uh, in those practices when he was running with a lot of the first-team guys. Um, all right, uh, this one from on YouTube. Thank you, uh, Roland Hogg. Um, said, hi, will the Bengals go with only three running backs and give the extra spot to wide receiver? Makes sense to me. Mixon and Evans can work as receivers out of the backfield. What is J- Also, what is Jay's next concert? Mine's the Cadillac 3. Uh, we'll get to Jay's next concert in a second. Uh, on the running backs question, it's the one that I kind of, I think is the most interesting in the 53 is, you know, do they, do they keep Travion Williams? And keep Samaj P. Ryan and Chris Evans. I mean, I get this. I do get the sense that they want to keep. They're they're comfortable with just the six wide receivers. And the only way I see them adding a seventh receiver, which is what they have done, Jay, as you pointed out, you have the spreadsheet. Um, it, it, every year they've had seven. I just don't see it this year. I don't see them being concerned about anybody taking Kwame Lasseter or Kendrick Pryor um, or Trenton Irwin or any of those other guys. Um, you know, they could maybe add somebody if somebody with punt return ability becomes available via cut or trade who's a receiver. They could add somebody there and that be their seventh receiver. You could absolutely see that. I, they don't really, they, Trent Taylor's still not going to be your dynamic punt returner. And they could always find somebody who could take that role. Um, but I think it's the only way they maybe end, maybe end up at seven. And even if they do that, they maybe just would cut Trent Taylor and put him back on their practice squad like he lived in last year. Mm. Um, so that does leave an extra spot where you're usually taking seven. And I think the idea of four running backs with guys that can do different things that help you on special teams um, can 
go a long way because obviously P. Ryan Evans definitely helping you on special teams like you'd expect the back of that room to do. So it's an interesting question. Um, I, I think it's one of the most interesting of the final cuts that are going to be going on next week. Yeah, because the thought process is kind of the same with Travion. Are, are you worried about someone plucking him if you try to cut him and then bring him back on the practice squad? Um, I don't know. They it they could get by with three, and they have. But you know, Travion gives you help on special teams as well. Um, I I tend to think that with where they are with tight end right now, that that you could see them being thinner at other positions and and going with the four. And like you said, just the six wide receivers. Um, I don't know how much play Travion Williams would get. It would come down to an injury for him to actually get down, in, get in the on the field in offense. But um, it, it's a good question. I, I lean toward what Paul said, six, six wide receivers, four running backs. Uh, but we'll find out a week from today. Oh, and the uh, next concert, yes, um, is Pearl Jam at Bourbon and Beyond the night before the Bengals Cowboys game. That's uh, September seventeenth, I believe. Yes, it is, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to go see Pearl Jam uh, in in Louisville. Yeah, that is going to be an awesome. Uh, that is going to be an awesome show. I, I finally, Jay, you're you're going to see somebody who who I feel like I can connect with you over. Uh, I don't I don't have a lot of Anthrax experience. <laughs> I don't know a lot about Shine Down. I've never seen Pantera at a Fairfield gas station before, so it's hard. It's hard for me to keep up a Pearl Jam. Now we're talking. You you karaoke Kid Rock. Come on, admit it. Kid Rock? I've not karaoke Kid Rock. I have karaoke a lot of songs, uh, and I take a lot of pride in in my very put my very diverse portfolio of karaoke songs. However, Kid Rock is not one that I have gone to before, um, and I don't know that I would. Although maybe, maybe I need to. Maybe I need to if I'm trying to hit your demographic. Next time I'm in Hamilton karaoke, maybe I'll have to pull that one out. Um, Speaking of being in Hamilton, uh, multiple Arby's questions. Uh, and so uh, I this one came on Twitter. If for, if for some reason Arby's closed down for good, would Jay take a bereavement day at work? Well, first of all, Arby's is never <laughs> going to close down. Obviously, it's going to continue having the meats forever. But I, I assume so, Jay, right? Uh, I don't know if I would take a bereavement day. I, it, it would be very <laughs> it would be traumatizing for sure. But I think I'd power through and still show up to work. Uh, I also enjoyed people wondering how the hell are we not sponsored by Arby's yet at this point? Uh, did you did you end up hearing from anybody who has an Arby's connection in the local media by any chance this week, Jay? In the local media? No? Okay, we'll, have to, we'll, we'll update this. I believe you're going to because I received okay. a text from somebody who wanted your number who wanted to talk to you about a, an Arby's hookup. And I, and I'm really, that's going to have to be a tease for a future episode. <laughs> I believe you're going to hear from them. I'm very so excited. Soon. Yes. <laughs> she should be. Uh, so that's a, uh, we'll, we'll get back to that. We'll try to get back to that maybe on Thursday. Uh, all right. One last thing before we go. Um, and thanks everybody that came is hopped onto the YouTube channel. Please rate, subscribe. We love to have you on uh, as our subscribers and, and and check out checking out our shows. You can always watch them archived, of course, when we're done, or watch them live and and jumping in the comments. Appreciate everybody here that has been in the comment, especially when you're talking about Arby's. We always appreciate that. Um, all right, Growler Bet. 
We have the Bengals Growler Bet, the return of the Growler Bet this past weekend, uh, which we made what would be the distance uh, lost via penalty, uh, the longest individual play distance lost via penalty, an offensive penalty, or a defensive pass interference in the game playing off what had happened the previous week where there were a couple of long ones, particularly a touchdown and a long 63-yard run by Chris Evans. The answer this week was not a long one. The answer this week was just a six-yard run wiped up in that deluge of holding penalties that happened early in the game. So the answer was six yards. And, you know, I thought, well, that feels troubling. That feels like a lot of people probably would have been in the low number area. You really weren't. You guys really thought that some massive gain was definitely going to get wiped out in this game. And that was good. Uh, Except Justin Garten, shout out Justin Garten, who had the answer of five yards. So close. So so (laughs) close. But happy to sneak in our first so close of the year on our first growler bet of the year. We'll... We'll be back with another growler bet on Thursday. Maybe you can get some delicious 50 West beer, which the time is now to strike because you can come and collect that delicious 50 West beer at our live 50 West event, seven o'clock September 8th at 50 West. We'll be there. Optimistic Bobby will be there. Uh, All of us from the Bengals media group will be doing a giant round table talking about predictions, expectations for the season, key players, all those types of things. Had a great time last year. Huge crowd last year. Loved it last year. It was a perfect night. We all hung out. We watched the opening game, which was Cowboys Bucks. It'll be Bills Rams this year on the big screen in the beer garden having drinks i very much am looking forward to one of my favorite days of the year that will be going again again seven o'clock september 8th 50 west brewing company come on down uh jay might need to uh hop in and uh, hop into a sand volleyball game probably if there's one going on yes and so uh maybe somebody can take his place on the show if that's necessary (laughs) if somebody wants to come in and do that because jay has to get in and uh just just get a few reps in to keep himself uh in shape for his sand volleyball leagues yeah, I, I I play on Friday night, and I haven't played the last two weeks. They had Bengals Cardinals Cardinals two Fridays ago, and I had uh, Chris Stapleton concert last Friday, so I need to get my fix. All right, so maybe that's going to be the case. All right, I'm looking forward to seeing everybody out there. Thanks again for everybody for listening. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday as we talk about everything going on from Bengals joint practices with the Rams, which are Wednesday and Thursday, and then six o'clock on Saturday night. Uh, you will have Bengals and Rams for the stadium next Tuesday. 53-man cut down by uh, 4 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, and so all of that will be going on. And then we're on, a, we're on a bullet train to September 11th against the Steelers. So the time has arrived, folks. Uh, looking forward to having you all on board and uh, as we get going on this very anticipated Bengals season. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening and watching. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Have a good one, everybody. Mm-hmm.